Today, we want to welcome our special guest, Democratic nominee for Michigan House District 68, Sarah Anthony. Impressive resume aside, she's a woman with an inspiring background and even more exciting future. And together, we'll explore the answer to the question, who left me in charge? The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. But Sarah's a little bit more measured, so sometimes she enjoys a mocktail. So today we have this beautiful mocktail, and we've named it Surely You Just, which uh, really is spelled Shirley like a Shirley Temple. Uh-huh. You Just, because how did you leave me in charge? Get it? It's beautiful. It's so and it beautiful. is beautiful. Look at this. <laughs> Yeah, we made this with, let's see, what does it have in it? It has fresca and cranberry juice, clementine orange, which is just a lovely, lovely take. It's different than a regular orange, people. It truly is. Lime juice and some beautiful garnish of a little clementine wedge and some sugar on top. So it is very festive. It is. And it tastes like summer and it's got all of the freshness of citrus. It just really is delicious and beautiful. It, in fact, matches your campaign signs that were in my yard earlier this year. <laughs> And on street corners all throughout Lansing and Lansing Township, so which people tend to like that. I got some feedback from folks that they were happy that it wasn't like the red or the blue, some of the boring colors. And a lot of women liked it because it was feminine, right? Like, oh, it's kind of powerful, but not too pink. So yes, I love this color. I think it's very pinkish purpley leaning, which I love. If you blend red and blue together, you get that collaborative purple. Mm -hmm. So there's <laughs> So yes, for those of you who aren't Lansing folk, uh, Sarah is a very welcome face around here whenever we see her. We'll go into a little bit how we know you. So Sarah technically is a client of mine. And do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do with your days right now? Yes. Yeah, so I work for an organization called the Michigan College Access Network. Um, we expand opportunities for students, specifically low-income students, students who would be first in their families to go to college, and students of color. Um, that's our mission, and I'm really passionate about it, largely because that is me. That was me, um, a 17-year-old who didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school and didn't really have a lot of the resources. But um, because of counselors and mentors and administrators who saw something in me, it expanded my horizon beyond Lansing. And so we just invest in students and help them um, figure out what they want to do after high school. And all the data says that if you get some type of piece of paper after high school, a degree, an associate, something, you know, a journeyman's card, some type of valuable credential, you earn more and your lifestyle is just better. So that's yeah. what I do. Were you a first generation college student? I am. I am. I'm first in the family to go to college and not the last one. So my younger brother um, graduated from Eastern Michigan University uh, a year ago. Thank goodness. Finally. Congratulations. Five years. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, yes. You have a lot of firsts under your belt on that impressive resume of yours. Yeah. That's Commissioner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Way back in the day when I was elected to the uh, Ingham County Commission, um, I was the first, uh, well, the youngest African-American woman to serve in that capacity in the United States, which is weird because weird. I wasn't that young. I was 28, 29 years old, but traditionally that the demographic of county commissioners is usually a lot older um, and definitely not racially diverse or gender diverse. So 
yeah, that was an accomplishment. And, you know, if I'm elected as the state representative in the 68th House District, which includes like Lansing and Lansing Township, I'll be the first African-American woman to serve in that capacity in the community, which is jarring and, and, and awesome and a great experience and great opportunity. So any other firsts that we should know about amazing achievements before we dive into kind of Today. <laughs> Who left you in charge? <laughs> I don't think so. I Well, maybe. I don't know. People will tell me things that, you know, barriers that I've like bro broken down or just things that I've done. But typically I just try to do a good job and people will like remind me that it's historic in some way. And typically, you know, when things are, when you're so busy working, you don't really stop to think about like what you're doing and how amazing it is and think about the pass on the back that you have earned and deserve. You just are doing the work and you're really busy. So. I, yeah. I and think that's true for all women. Yes. And I think I know you enough that you're, I can see the look that would be on your face when you're like, yeah, 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 but I've got something else to do right now. Right. Like that is not my priority. Mm -hmm. And so, though I'm sure you're inspiring to a lot of people, doesn't matter who they are because you're kind of a magnetic personality. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So today, you know, we, we, we always figure out what are we going to talk about? And we're thinking about leadership and sort of segued into this who left me in charge idea because I think every woman has looked around at one point in time and said, how am I the one making this decision? Where, when did it become me? And so I think that that topic is really interesting because, well, I, you have a story to tell us, but you're actually choosing a very heavy, heavy leadership load, which I found really interesting. And some people get into leadership because they've chosen it, and some people because it's foisted upon them. And sometimes you just get there and you're not sure how. So that who left me in charge concept mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. Well, and I think what we all have in common, you know, Jen and I both as leaders of our organizations, we chose that as well. But there are other things that are certainly in our realm of decision making that we kind of, I think all of us look around at some point like, well, wait a minute, how is this my decision? So whether that's in motherhood, parenthood, um, public service, whatever that is, because like, how did I become the chair of that board? Oh, because everybody looked at me and I said yes, mm -hmm, which also... Sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are or, or where leadership fell upon you, I suppose? Yeah. I mean, it's particularly on the county commission, I've always found myself in leadership positions, either chairing a subcommittee or chairing, you know, the Democratic caucus for a few years. They typically put the newest members on the Dem caucus thing, right? Because, you know, it's kind of like hazing. <laughs> they want you to, because it's the grunt work, right? It's whipping the votes. It's not really fun. It's chasing people down. So that was like my first task on the county commission when, you know, I started in 2012. Um, but Last year, I guess, well, in 2016, the board encouraged me to run um, and be the chair of the board. And, you know, it was something that I, I like to challenge myself with leadership, but I did just didn't know what that would mean in terms of my time commitment and just um, what that would look like in terms of what decisions I would have to be making on behalf of the entire county. Um, because of that board, you know, we have one mouthpiece. We have one spokesperson, and that is the chair. And so uh, in 2017, I started off being the chair of the board. And one of the first things I wanted to do was have our first state of the county address, right, which folks were looking at us like, I'm sorry, why would you do that, right? Why do you want to have a, a grand stage? And I said, well, 
even though we haven't never done it, let's do it. Let's try it out. Let's highlight the things that the county is doing. We do so many cool things. Why not? Uh, and they said, well, if you want to do it, you have to do it. You have to create the everything. You have to create the PowerPoint, the, the event. You have to invite the community members. It wasn't going to be something that was going to be a team effort, right? So it you're was, in charge and you're doing all of the yes, work. Yes, exactly. So people are like, oh, who made the flyer? Well, I made the flyer. Well, who invite, who made the invite list? Well, I guess I have to. Um, but in the midst of all of that, tragedy just struck. My younger brother uh, was in a, a car accident. And uh, it just shifted everything for me. You know, I'm trying to lead the entire county. And at the same time, you know, we're going through probably the worst experience as a family that we've ever experienced. And it was a significant uh, yes, accident. Yes, yes. So he was, his, he was hit by a car and we just didn't know if he was going to survive. Um, and that was in January. That was right at the beginning of my term on the board. Um, and so my parents are looking to me <laughs> for leadership, right? Um, use that fancy degree <laughs> that we invested so much money into to help make decisions, right? Uh, that isn't something that I would normally ask to do. I usually look to my parents as the ones that make tough decisions. But in that moment, I had to step up and decide, you know, how, what's his quality of life going to be? Um, the first few weeks are just so important when you suffered a traumatic brain injury. And so what that looks like, negotiating with an insurance company, um, seeing what long-term care would look like if he was going to survive. Uh, so being Na thrust Navigating in, the system. Yes, na which are complicated systems right. that none of us think about or even have any training in. You just get thrust into it. And so, with healthcare that you might not understand or you've not researched before and fear and worry at your back. So like, that's a lot. It's a ton. It's a ton. This moment I think about, he had a, his hospital room at Sparrow Hospital was, had one of the best views in the city, right? <laughs> I'm sitting there. It's late at night. We were taking shifts, right? We're not looking the greatest. We're not smelling the greatest as a family. And I'm sitting near his bedside and I'm looking at the Capitol and like the, the view of the entire city. And I'm also writing the speech for the state of the county event. And I'm just like, this is, this is, why am I even still on the county board? Why am I prioritizing these other things when I just need to be 100% big sister that's navigating these things? We mm -hmm. just kind of press on. So hard a year. It was, it was a difficult time for us. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where in that process did you begin to consider a run for state representative? Well, that was hard, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to even think about your next step in service for me or a next step in in your career if all these things are happening in your personal life, right? So at the beginning of that year with everything happening with the family, I just said, this, se this seems selfish for me to be thinking about now running for state representative. And, you know, my mentors and my supporters and my friends were like, just run, just file. You can do this. We got your back. But nothing in me wanted to run at that point. It just was all about making sure I was doing a good job as a commissioner and then doing a good job as a big sister and, and helping with those decisions. Mm -hmm. um, as he started to get a little bit better, um, I said, I think I can do this. I, I think <laughs> I can do it. I think I can do it. Um, but then in my day job at the Michigan College Access Network, um, our executive director said, I'm, I'm going to go on maternity leave. 
for a few minutes, just a couple of weeks, I'll be back before you know it, um, and left me in charge. <laughs> of <laughs> now, course she did. Right. So, and I mean, keep in mind, right, um, eight years prior to her saying that, I was essentially a glorified executive assistant in the organization. And so for her to have the confidence to even leave me in charge was just a little bit weird, but um, also- but not weird for her. Not weird for her, right? So um, I'm like, okay, just come back in six weeks. And due to, to a couple of medical challenges, challenges with her pregnancy and her daughter, that six weeks became six months. <laughs> and so I went from being, again, a staffer that, you know, has a leadership position in the organization to then um, leading the organization, looking at not just a small pot of the money, but, you know, managing a multi-million dollar budget and overseeing a staff and communicating with funders and being the external face of the entire organization. Sure. And in six months, a nonprofit goes through, you know, a lot of it, <laughs> yes. a lot of those annual, and you've been there long enough to mm -hmm. know what the annualized cycle of that nonprofit is, but to be the one. In charge. <laughs> in charge. It, it was extremely humbling, but at the same time, just frightening, you know, just thinking about, um, everything that could go wrong on my watch, right? What if someone quits? What if some disaster happens, right? And, and there were some large things that happened under my watch, but, you know, every day, it, it almost felt like a, I felt like an imposter. Like, I'm pretending to actually be the adult in the room. I'm pretending to be in charge. Someone else is going to come. Trust me. I'm, I'm like not the interim. I'm just standing in for someone. And they're like, well, who's going to make the call on that? Well, I guess that's me, but... I, I guess that's me. I vaguely remember some meetings with you during that window in time, and it's like, well, I'll, I'll check, I'll check with, but we, we all really knew you were just mm -hmm. going to make those decisions. <laughs> and, but it's such a funny story because you, you know, you, you're stretching what the county commission job description looks like. Mm -hmm. You have family responsibilities thrust upon you and work responsibilities that are much, much larger than you had have ever, would have ever guessed. Mm -hmm. And you didn't really ask for any of that, and you, had to do it all at once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of what women do. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's it's from the beginning of time. So even when women traditionally weren't working outside of the home, managing a household in and of itself is a full-time job. And then as women more tradition, you know, started going to college and, and having careers and things like that in a in a broad brushstroke way, you know, we just uh I think we've we've had a podcast with the with the topic about uh, baggage. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we just, we know how to carry a heavy purse and <laughs> we know how to carry the burden and That's it's right. okay. That's right. That's and it's right. okay. But it is sometimes you spin mm -hmm. around like, uh, you know, Daffy Duck's bill that spins around his head when he, <laughs> right. when he gets knocked. That's kind of how dizzying sometimes it feels to look around all of a sudden. It's like, well, how did I get here? I know. I know. And it, it was something that I tried not to get distracted by was, you know, all the little voices in their head, like that you can't do things or that you're not supposed to be at the tables that you're at. I mean, so many meetings I would walk into either as the chair of the county commission or the interim executive director or the person who's going to negotiate the best benefits for my brother. And they would look at me like, well, let me know when your boss gets here. Let me know when someone is, is coming. Right. And I'm like, well, what is that? Is it because I'm relatively younger or female or African-American or, you know, maybe don't have, you know, the red bottoms on that day? Like, what is it that makes it so that someone else is supposed to come in and actually make the call? Mm -hmm. And that can really eat away mm -hmm. at you. I mean, I know I've been in that position lots of times as I've grown in my role as an owner of a company because I bought in. Mm -hmm. And so I would show up, too, with my business partner, and I was looked at 
because I'm 20 years a senior or his junior, um, like I'm the secretary there to take notes mm-hmm. as opposed to a key decision maker. And that you get that kind of stuff enough times and you start, it chips away at, at least for me, it's chipped oh, yeah. away. I mean, and it doesn't happen anymore, right? It does. But it does. It does. And then to, that voice not, can get loud. Yes. And to not internalize that and then let that drive how you react and how you respond. And, you know, it, it is very difficult. It's a balance. And I, I still struggle with that quite a bit, right? It's like, who's going to be in the room and do they know who I am and do they know that I'm coming, right? They, you know, sometimes when I'm corresponding with folks by email, it's like, well, Sarah Anthony, I, I know exactly what she's going to look and feel like. She's going to be a 55 year old, older white woman or 60, 75. How old are y'all? Y'all look 25. So <laughs> sweet. I am, I'm what I like to refer to as half 90. I am 45. You look beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I told you earlier. So, but you know, what, it, what's, what, what am I bringing, you know, when, and what they, what are they going to expect when I walk in the room? So that's, that can be challenging. So when I am the person that's leading and in charge, what does that look like? Right. And making sure that I'm demanding the respect without overcompensating, right? Yeah, yeah, but the fact that we're in positions where we have to worry about who's going to be in the room and what style of chameleon do I need to be to be to validate my position at the table, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's weird. That's a lot. That's a lot happening in our heads. I don't think it's going to be that way for very long, though. I, I mean, this is such a watershed year, right? So we've talked about Blue Wave and how many women are running, et cetera. There are a lot of women running in our state. That's right. And it's pretty exciting. And mm-hmm. and when I back that up to just watching your race um, in the er- early part of the year, like when you kicked off, and people who are who can't wait to see you walk in the room and who can't wait to hear you say what you're going to do and who who want to rally behind you. It's that's just a big shift from where you maybe were just even a year or a year and a half ago. I agree. I agree. And I mean I and I've always been around so many women in leadership. You know, I have never had a male boss. Um and so yeah. And so that's just all that I know is powerful women. And so it's 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 not abnormal that, you know, I see people, women in leadership all throughout all facets of my world. And so to see myself in that role as a leader isn't as foreign, but then to actually function as a leader is weird sometimes, right? So, mm-hmm. um, again, not overcompensating. But this is an exciting year. It, it's so exciting. I, every time I run into Gretchen Whitmer, who's running for governor here, it's just, it's like, it would, I literally run into her all the time downtown. I just I'm, just have this pride. Just like wow, you're killing it. Yeah, wow. she's killing it. It's yes. true. Yes, yeah. Do you ever find? Do you, I find that myself that sometimes I, I find that I I do the leadership thing and I make decisions and I give people their direction or their strategy, and then I step back and go, oh wait, that was I, I was just being the boss and the leader, and I so I in the moment I forget that I might not have confidence and it comes out just fine, but then when I self reflect, I realize, oh wait, I. It turns out I'm the, I'm the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And still at 45, I stop and have to think about that sometimes, which is crazy. Do you guys, does that ever happen to you? It happens to me. I do a double take when I receive a compliment uh, from a client or from a coworker. Um, like, you know, you, you really know your stuff. You've really studied up on this topic. Or, wow, you really were a certain way with someone, and that was amazing what you did there. And it's kind of like, you know, I do know what I'm, and I don't take it as a backhanded compliment, but it does give me a double take. Like, I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do know how to do this. But it's 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 all those years of kind of growing into the role 
mm-hmm. um, and all of the internal dialogue that sometimes seeps in. Yeah. And you're saying, Sarah, that you've always seen women in leadership and you've worked for some pretty amazing women too. Mm-hmm. So that the idea of it isn't foreign to you, right. but trying it on for yourself is the part that you're still, yeah. I think we all still get used to, right? Yes, absolutely. It, it It's just weird. I mean, even, I mean, earlier today when folks go say, oh, you are the state representative or, you know, oh, well, you know, thinking and looking at me as the one who will make the final decision will never, hopefully it gets more comfortable, but right now it's not comfortable, right? Um, but the fact that my name or the organization like the Michigan College Access Network, the name of an organization that I'm passionate about or the entire county, I'm protective of those brands, including my own brand. And so I have to be a perfectionist. I have to be the bad guy sometimes, which isn't comfortable for me. And, you know, looking at the typos and doing 17 drafts until it's just exactly right. Um, it's a role that I'm constantly trying to get better at um, and being the bad guy, which isn't fun. You're a modest person, uh, and so I'm going to put you on the spot. We've, we've, you've been very transparent in sharing, you know, and that's really a lot of what, what we talk about on the podcast is you've mm-hmm. shared that, that there's self-doubt and, the, and that, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we aren't sure how we navigated here, but you're standing on such a strong foundation mm-hmm. in those moments of self-doubt or who's going to be in the, it, when I open the door, who's going to be in there. When, in those moments, what's the foundation that you stand on that, that gets you through the door? That's a great question. Um, you know, I coach my mentees and I coach my my team members, people that work with me, this mantra that you belong here, that you're not I'm an imposter, that there's a reason why you're in the position that you're in, whether you're an intern with the organization, whether you are paid to be, whatever role you're at, you're, you belong there. But it would be hypocritical for me not to constantly be telling myself that. And so... I have to tell myself that. Literally, in most of my notebooks, I write it down as the first, on the first page of the notebook. Like, you belong here. Whatever table you're at, you're supposed to be there. And I also think about the people that I'm representing at those tables. I mean, there's so many decisions that impact filling all the roles that I play here, right? So um, impact me, impact women, impact people of color, impact low-income communities. Um, if I'm not the best self, if I'm not, you know, representing those people, the voice will just not be heard in many ways, right? And so I have a responsibility to, like, shake myself and to just, like, grow up and just to actually have that confidence that I'm trying to instill in so many people, especially yeah. people that look like me, so... Well, and you said earlier the idea of it feeling selfish to run, and I think we talked about that briefly when we met before, but um, you're not doing a lot of this for you. Mm-hmm. And and it, it was funny to hear you say you felt like it might be a little selfish to take this leap and run for this office, but I think it's very selfless because it is a yes. thankless and difficult job, and you have to look out for everybody, and your job now is everyone's best interest. And you can no longer wear sweatpants in the middle of the night when you like go and get just like some toilet tissue and and just like some snacks at the store. You just can't do it anymore. So that's tough too. And when you walk to the store and not in your sweatpants, every single person you look at is somebody you're responsible for. That's right. right. Everybody from the minute you walk out of your home in the morning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everyone who you look at is depending on you. 
Wow. No pressure. I know. Jeez. It, it's funny. We talked a little bit about going to a restaurant the other day and like not really being able to get to the meal because so many folks were just really proud of me and want to give feedback, but also are saying those like, you know, you're going to do a great job or like keep up the good work. I know you're not going to let us down. I, you know, make sure that you keep representing us. And, you know, every time you see that, it's a great reminder, but it also is a ton of responsibility. But, you know, many folks just because of many politicians have given the role of an elected official a bad name, that it is something that is very glamorous and just like a, a type of celebrity and things that, you know, you just, it's not service, right? That it is more self-serving. And so I hear those messages as well, but then I also just like to make sure that I'm staying true to it being about service, right? Yeah. And and always listening to the folks who are ringing me up at, you know, the corner store and, and listening to their story and then uplifting that story in the legislature or whatever I'm doing at whatever table. Oh, man. 68th District is so lucky. <laughs> I just don't even know what to say after that. I, know. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to have you as my rep. I'm excited to do it. And, and, and call me out if I'm not doing a good job, if I'm not leading because all of a sudden I've been left in charge of things, right? <laughs> call me out because I think that that's really important too. You know, at MCAN, we call it continuous improvement, right? Always looking back and seeing how can I be doing things better? So we'll never arrive to perfection. So how can we just constantly be moving forward? Never stagnant, but just moving forward and doing better. I love that idea that we're never we're never going to arrive. We should always be moving forward. And it, it, it makes me think a little bit about our earlier conversation about self-doubt. And maybe self-doubt and the ability to recognize that you've never finished and you're never done, maybe that's what makes a good leader, right? Mm -hmm. Because that self-reflection and being unsure that maybe I don't have the right answer, I should reflect and make sure that that is the right way to go. Maybe that's what makes for strong leadership. And maybe that's why we've all been left in charge. Mm. <laughs> That's well said. Preach. I don't know. Mm. We'll Pass see. the collection plate. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> so did uh, you guys enjoy this mocktail? It was amazing. So fresh. I liked it. Yes. The color is nice and bright, and it makes me feel like we can extend summer a little bit in Michigan mm -hmm. with something like this. Yeah. It's nice and celebratory. But mine is gone. Too bad. Sad. I'm nearly there as well. <laughs> Sarah, I am so happy you came in to talk to us today. Thank you. Can you tell our listeners where they might be able to find MCAN or find any information about your campaign? Yeah, so the Michigan College Access Network can be found at micollegeaccess.org. Um, we're on all the social media platforms, and you can learn about our programs and the people that invest in students across the state of Michigan. Um, and to learn more about me and the work that I'm doing on the campaign trail, you can go to votesarahanthony.com. Very cool. We will make sure to have that on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. So if any of our um, listeners want to check it out there, and where else can they find us? We always love hearing from our listeners on all the social networks uh, at Easy Underground. And, um, and certainly subscribe to our podcast wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcasts. At iTunes, Google Play, or on SoundCloud. What are we talking about next time, Jen? We're talking about vulnerability. It could be argued, vulnerability is a very effective leadership trait. At a time where there's plenty of examples of the opposite, we want to explore the power in vulnerability. Tune in next time.